0: Hello and welcome to Orchestral Theatre, a series of conversations about interdisciplinary work involving orchestras. I'm Adrian Curtin.
1: You know, I think there's a lot of people who felt, feel very, like, neglected and maybe missed at school. And then there's this group of people saying, like, you know, you you can do this. You don't have to have spent years and years and years playing an instrument, practicing all the time. Obviously, that will help you at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. But you can get involved with a musical project with minimal experience and have a more integral and beautiful experience than someone who's practiced for, you know, 20 years. Um, As long as, like, you're in it with everyone there, just hitting a drum in time with the right intention is going to have such a huge impact on everyone in the room. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why it feels really, really special, I guess.
0: That's Yusuf Narchin, my guest for this episode. Yusuf is a bass trombonist, educator, and workshop leader from London. Yusuf works in a variety of musical genres, including jazz, folk, Klezmer and improvised music. Among the classical ensembles he plays with are para-orchestra and multi-story orchestra. He is also a member of the award-winning brass band slash theatre troupe, perhaps Contraption. In our conversation, he tells me about his experiences of playing with multi-story orchestra and para-orchestra and about the connections between music and theatre. So I wonder if you could begin by giving me an overview of the kind of work that you do as a musician.
1: Yeah, okay, well, I'm a freelance uh, performer and educator, mainly a trombone player, and even more specifically, a bass trombone player. Originally, I did uh, I trained as like a classical musician, um, and even though a lot of the work I do is in that world, I think... The majority of what I'm doing now is kind of contemporary music and things in the world of jazz and also performance based music. Um, My education side of things has kind of taken a focus on workshop leading and collaborative composition. I'm particularly focused on the idea of democratising classical music and bringing it into places where People, I don't know, aren't exposed to it um, or they just haven't quite yet learned what the point of it is. And maybe there isn't a point, but um, that's a point in itself as well. Actually, all the projects I've involved, I'm involved with have that as a bit of a focus of theirs as in inclusivity and accessibility. I mean, is that enough rambling about what I do? <laughs> yeah.
0: It is because I think it's you're leading into where I want to where I, well I want to talk to you about, which is firstly your work with uh, multi-story orchestra. So I'm I'm curious about how you got involved with them and 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 how you would um, describe you know what you do working with them.
1: Okay, so multi-story many years ago, over ten years ago, actually, I I first actually was. My name was given to them as just a trombone player. It was while I was a student and I can't remember what we played. It was probably some of Kate's own work. And then I think it was like some John Adams piece or or something or other. They were kind of gearing towards the idea of being a symphony orchestra. um, And their kind of USP was that they played in a car park. uh, I, I think I'm right in saying at this point, they didn't really have a big focus on outreach and inclusivity. But over the years, they started um, doing projects in schools and with young people in the surrounding areas. And they've just taken a huge step away from being uh, an orchestra. And they've put the majority of the the focus of the work that they do into um empowering young people in music leadership, with like leadership being like the the focal term there. And the the orchestra now, the performances they do are always with young people leading the projects. Um, Me being involved with it at this point is I was brought in as a kind of workshop leader, music facilitator, to lead projects in various areas around the country. And um, I would work with a large group of people, group of young people in creating a new piece of music with them. Um, and now at a certain point, it becomes less about helping them to create the piece of music, but it becomes more about um, helping them develop the skills to workshop their own creation to other mm-hmm. young people. So um, the project which you saw last week, Awake, which was at the Queen Elizabeth Hall, was the culmination of um two kind of month-long sessions. The first one, the creation of this piece of music with the young people, and then a performance at the at the Peckham Levels, the multi-story car park. And then uh, about a six-month hiatus and then coming together with the young people again and developing that work. And then them taking their work into local schools and workshopping the songs that they've written. With young people with as much um, emphasis on them leading it as possible, so um I myself didn't do any work in the schools uh, all the 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 young creatives they call them on multistory who are between i'd say sixteen and nineteen um kind of had mentoring and how to how to bring it into the schools then once they their piece has kind of been workshopped. They then bring in the rest of the multi-story orchestra, which is an assembly of freelance musicians, mostly based in London. Um, And they're not given uh, a set in stone score, they're given a skeleton score. And then in a similar kind of fashion, the music is workshopped to them. That in itself just helps with the the performance style when when it's coming together, there's as much faces out of parts Dancing, just feeling what's going on. It just overall, as a musical experience, it feels much more like it should be than other experiences with orchestras. And of course, now multi story is not a symphony orchestra. And of course, with the piece you saw, it didn't matter what combination of instruments you had. Um, the main part of it was the gesture of the music that had been written, as opposed to the um, the nitty-gritty ins and outs of who does what in what time.
0: Hmm. Um, That's interesting. I'm, I'm wondering if I, if I know what you mean by the, the gesture of the music.
1: Hmm. OK, so like uh, the concepts behind each, um, each passage of music, each movement, um, that if it was one person um, coming to sit down and score out what everyone does at any one time, that, that in itself is an incredible craft. Um, but it requires a really good communicator to make sure the whole ensemble is in border with what that one person wants to deliver to whoever's listening. Whereas with the work that multi-story orchestra are doing, I think everyone who's involved with the uh, the performance understands uh, the meaning or the feeling or the colours behind Mm. each thing before it's played, but Mm. they might not have a really specific thing written on their part to play Hmm. is them to kind of choose. In fact, the majority of what you heard the other day was improvised. Um, There were some set riffs and whatever, but the, you know, in the performance, lots of people would have just chosen to do a random thing.
0: They had a, a collective understanding of what it is that the piece was, right? So that whatever they would improvise within that would, would fit with it, right? It, it wouldn't just be some kind of like um, idiosyncratic uh, thing that occurred to them on the spot that wouldn't gel with the, with the composition as a whole.
1: Yeah, exactly. That concept of gesture within music is like so much more import- important than virtuosity as well. Mm-hmm. And there is this huge obsession with virtuosity within the world of like, I don't know, even um, just the way music is taught in this country. And it's like, and that's, that's part of why it's so inaccessible is that um, people are forgetting, you know, the, the nuance of like what they're, what they're trying to say.
0: You said that you think that the multi-story orchestra are an example of what orchestras should be what music musical performance should be and I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about that I mean, you mentioned about how um, the instrumentalists are not uh, obsessed with that you know technical virtuosity is not the most important thing um, that collective creation um, is a, is a key component what are the other elements about multi-story that for you make it um you know really optimal for what for what orchestras should be today
1: specifically in that point was about how it felt performing the music, mostly off parts, and um, feeling a bit more connected on stage. That feeling of the, the experience as a musical performer or collaborator in that situation, felt like that. that's what feels magical about it. I guess the other things I say, you know, what an ensemble should be in this day and age. I mean, a lot of what makes it feel really important right now is that the focus of the ensemble is in um longevity and in like making sure that you know there is an audience to come as well that's i mean i guess they've never consciously said oh you know this is an investment of our time we're making sure young people like classical music so uh, you know but <laughs> it's, it's that's not what what's ha- what's happening i think what it really is is they they're just demonstrating what what a real musical experience can feel like to as many people as possible all the time and um and they're also like giving an opportunity for these young people to to get involved with the organization long term and you know i think there's a lot of people who felt feel very like neglected and maybe missed at school and then there's this group of people saying like you know you, you can do this. You don't have to have spent years and years and years playing an instrument, practising all the time. Obviously, that will help you at the end mm-hmm. of the day. But you can get involved with a musical project with minimal experience and have a more integral and beautiful experience than someone who's practised for, you know, 20 years. Um, as long as, like, you're in it with everyone there, just hitting a drum in time with the right intention is going to have such a huge impact on everyone in the room and uh you know that's that's why it feels really really special i guess
0: what are some like standout experiences that you've had with with multi multi-story orchestra either in performance or um outside of performance in terms of uh, you know rehearsing devising um working with um working with the other young musicians
1: um with with multi-story i think um the 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 initial okay i mean i i feel like i i, sh- I should mention the names of Abimaro Gunnell and Fran Lobo who are both two... Facilitators who are working with uh multi-story workshop leaders and amazing musician, musicians, songwriters, and singers. And um I mentioned them because this this year, actually, I'm doing, I don't know if I told you before, I'm doing this, I'm doing a traineeship on this Spitalfields music. So actually, Fran um, is my mentor, is one of two mentors I have this year, and actually Abs, Abimaro is hugely involved with the organization as well. And um, I've kind of seen them from the sidelines working with young people on many occasions. And it's always just blown my mind how much space they give for these people while being such a huge presence in these rooms. I feel like for me personally, just being in the room with them, it feels like I'm getting this huge lesson all the time in leadership from just being there. But a standout experience, so that's not really an answer to your question. The reason I've started talking about them is because on my first day doing Spittlefields, they asked the room, they said to the five people who were there, what is it? What does it mean being a a music leader, being a workshop leader? We brainstormed all the important things that go with it. Um, And, you know, we must have spent an hour on this question all the different kind of ways you could go. And then the following day I was leading or co-leading a workshop with um with abs and Fran. And for a portion of the workshop we were doing, this was with multi-story, um, in the um in the kind of conception of this awake piece that you saw. And they did exactly the same thing with these young people who um who came up with a lot of the same and a lot of like really different and amazing responses and that was like a standout experience just seeing that like this idea of leadership for me it feels like kind of new as a as a skill that one can learn I thought that it was just something that some people are good at some people are born with um, you know this this special bit of charisma and I thought like Oh God, I don't think I'm good as, as good as all these people that I'm seeing around. And then um, actually, over the last month or so, I've seen that it absolutely is a skill and these young people are learning it. I've seen from the six months from when we first performed it and to when we performed it the other day, the way the young people communicate with a large group of people. That's a standout experience. I mean, obviously, the playing the music is fun, but it's like it's it's that it's that those moments when they when they kind of rise to that like that thing and you see them realize that it's working that's the magic bit i think
0: i mean it certainly seems like you're you you're having enormous Fun and joy in performance. And I think that, that you know, that often communicates. So and sometimes I, I go to other orchestra concerts and um, you can't really tell that the rank and file orchestra musicians are um, necessarily enjoying um, their performance, right? I mean, there's, there's immense concentration, right? But you're not always. Feeling like they're entirely kind of like co-present with the audience. Sometimes they don't even look at the audience for a, a lot of the of the concert. And I'm I'm wondering if that is something that you you talk about in multi-story orchestra performances, like how to engage with the audience um, and how to engage with one another in a in a musical way.
1: That uh, what you have said, like how to enge- engage with the audience, is something that you hear at music college, which um, is. Um, which is like, it just doesn't, I mean, it's always like, oh yeah, go off part if you can, like, you know, look, look, communicate with who's there. We never talk about it with multi-story. It just, it's It's cultivated in the fact that they do these, um, uh, what they call them? Introductory, interactive performances. We don't actually call them that. We call them ips. And we don't call them that to the audience. We don't call them anything to the audience. The audience show up and... Uh, unbeknownst to them they're going to walk into a scenario where they are in a workshop with the young people who are going to teach them bits of the music that they're about to hear in the performance so they walk into the into the space they're split into three groups and there are three young people and they'll each in rotation spend five ten minutes with a young person who's not going to say this piece is about love and uh, we wrote it like this they're going to start singing at them and the audience are going to start singing back and they're like okay they they understand from that minute that they're not going to be able to to stop you know they they have to be involved they go to the next group and they have a completely different scenario in a completely different style different young person with a different leadership style um it might be them learning like uh, kind of rhythmic motif, doing some clapping, call and response, stuff like that. And they don't know at this point that what they're learning is snippets from this piece that they're about to hear. And then when they go into the hall and the uh, piece starts, people are singing along. People are knowing what's they It suddenly all makes sense. And that's, that's how there's this audience engagement. It's just because they genuinely are engaged with their audience. They're not trying to create the illusion of being mm. engaged with the audience because that's what they learned they're supposed to do at music college.
0: Is that format used all the time or just for certain kinds of, of projects?
1: With multi-story, it's in every project. Yeah. They do. yeah,
0: wow. in, even, yeah. even the uh, the piece called The Ends.
1: The Ends. Yeah, they would have done the same thing with that as well. And Volcano. It's like... It's something that they, they've they tried. They used to call it living program notes. It's the same thing. Yeah, and they, actually the reason they were like, oh, we don't like that name, was because it still harked back to this thing that they were trying to lose, which is program notes. It's like, what do you mean program notes? It's like, I mean, uh, it's it's that in itself is an inaccessible thing, you know, and so, sometimes you just end up with loads of wasted paper lying on the floor that no one's read. So it's just... Um, that that that's where that concept is is from and i think yeah that's huge in the multi-story kind of ethos
0: i'd like to ask about venue um in relation to multi-story i've seen you perform in an ikea car park in exeter Yes. And um in uh the South Bank Center. And and I'm I'm wondering what difference it makes to you as a as a performer if you're in the South Bank Center doing a wake versus um the car park that you generally use.
1: It's such a huge part of it. I think the reason like the car park thing, the multi-story thing, is so perfect for this is that it's a neutral uh, space. completely neutral. Everyone needs a car park, well, as long as they drive. But um, everyone will need to use a car park sometimes, and so when they do outreach work in different different parts of the country, like when we're in Exeter, they try and find a car park. Um, and uh, IKEA were the only people that let us use their car park when we were in Exeter, so that was very nice, nice of them. This this podcast is not sponsored by IKEA, <laughs> uh, like um, yeah, it's such a huge part of it, and it's funny because we did this we've done a few things at the Purcell Room or Queen Elizabeth Hall. And, um, for me personally, the the show we did in in the car park in Peckham felt a lot more magical. Um, and, uh, it felt a lot more important, but that's me personally, because you said how it affects it as a, as a performer. I, after the concert, I didn't ask any leading questions, but I I spoke to some of the young people. I was like, um, Which place did you like doing it most? Did you like it here or at the car park? Which one was did you enjoy more? All of them were just like here. They just loved. They loved doing it at um, Queen Elizabeth Hall, being on a stage, and um, I can see why. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it is important to give give that opportunity to young people as well, and also to to take over these spaces as well. In a, in a more romantic way I feel like I'd love it for this work to be just being bought anywhere and everywhere and for it to work like that um, but the resources again at these halls are, are amazing and you know even the things like before the concert um, having the chance to, for the young people to speak to a lighting designer and say when this happens can you make the lights go blue and like you know there's and explain again they're workshopping their music to the lighting designer and it's it's really fun to not do any of that, to take a back seat and actually like along the way have as much of the work just be handed on onto on the young people. Come on,
0: come on, come on, come on, come on. Maybe we could switch focus to Power orchestra Can you say a little bit about the work that you've done with them?
1: So I'm sure you know a lot about who the para-orchestra are, but the work that I, I've done with them has always been obviously on a freelance basis in the same way with multi-story. Um, and to be a like a proper, an actual member of para-orchestra, um, you need to be someone who identifies as being disabled. Um, and obviously that comes in, various uh various forms but um but they they don't put a focus on uh the orchestra being an orchestra of people with disabilities it's about leveling the playing field and having a platform where um there isn't um a split between this like there are i mean all the all the musicians disabled or not in the orchestra are freelance musicians of a high caliber producing like amazing work of their own and also work in ensembles I love I love the work I do with power orchestra because by by just being an orchestra that's inclusive in terms of um, uh, people with or without disabilities Um, it just comes hand in hand with being an inclusive and diverse organization in every possible way Um, and it just feels it just feels really good. Everything they do feels amazing. It's all new commissions and it feels like every single musician who works with the orchestra has, it's almost like there's someone keeping check of everyone. The freelancer, every freelancer seems to have their own like kind of file on what, what they're good at, what they, what, um, what projects they'll be suited to. And, um, it's like, I just feel like I've never been offered work that isn't up my street with them.
0: When I go to power orchestra gigs again, I see musicians who, who seem really committed to it and enjoying what they're doing. Um, and I'm thinking of uh, the anatomy of the orchestra piece, which I think you've been involved in. So, and I'm really curious about what performers experience in that piece, what it's like um, to to be in this, I think Charles calls it like an exploded orchestra, right? With audience members kind of wandering a- around them. Uh, can you speak a little bit about what that's like?
1: Yeah, that, that project I think is, is amazing. Like um, as, as a performer, um, it's very strange actually. So the way it works, we're playing a piece of music by Steve Reich, um, the four sections and uh it's a really really beautiful minimalist piece of music that kind of has um interlocking grooves and uh it's generally quite metric there are shifts in tempo um throughout but generally it's quite um easy to to just fly through it you don't have to really be engaged with uh Um, just romantic tempo shifts or anything like that but the way we perform it is we all have uh, in-ear monitors and a click track which has been um, pre-prepared by Charles and uh, we can hear very little of the whole ensemble the in-ears that we're using we don't have any monitoring of the other musicians we just have the click track and vocal cues so as a trombone section standing about 300 meters away from the trumpet no not 300 meters maybe 100 meters sorry i'm just <laughs> grossly exaggerating 100 meters away from the trumpet section if i listen to them i'm going to lose it because they're a bit delayed and there are some parts of the piece where we're with them the thing that's magical about those performances is seeing people coming around because the experience of uh for them which i've luckily had a chance to do because one time i played the fourth trombone part which basically does nothing um and for the for the first first three movements i'm tacit so i can just go off on a little bit of an adventure and i did how mm. to and uh, it's it's amazing you kind of you're your own um mixing engineer and you can choose where to end up near you can really hear Individual instruments because they're not drowned out by the other surrounding instruments. Go and stand right next to the the harp and hear what it's doing. But yeah, it's a very strange way to perform. It's it's actually like kind of the opposite of uh, what I was describing in multi It doesn't it doesn't feel like uh, you're part of this huge organism. It feels like you're a part that's been removed from the organism for like prodding and testing. And it's amazing. Like that's its own thing. And yeah. You know, every every performance has different intentions and a different feeling behind it. And the intention for this is um, stick to your guns, stay with the click, and it will work. Have faith in the project, and uh, it definitely does work. When they've, <laughs> they've, they've they've we've done it repeatedly, and it's it's fantastic.
0: It's my, curious though, isn't it? That you wouldn't f- feel. Particularly connected to the other musicians by virtue of the setup. I understand how it, it has to be that way because of the arrangement, but like it, it doesn't seem like what an orchestra should be doing, right? in, in terms of being attuned to one another and um, having that sense of of ensemble, right? Following a leader, I guess, but also um, feeling like you are part of a whole. It's very odd to, to think about an orchestra being like isolated and and having to kind of yield that sense of of um you know uh, mutual engagement
1: yeah yeah it's but it's funny when you say that i'm um, i i do not think it is as cynical as feeling separate from them because like there is this really strong sense bearing in mind i've worked with that group for years and i know loads of them like really 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 well and i i know that they're having a great time and I'm also like trusting that they're doing an incredible thing every moment so even though I can't hear them like deep down I know that they're with me and mm-hmm. it is still an, an, on, an ensemble and you can hear them you do get little echoes mm. of things it's not completely like I can only hear myself and the surrounding trombones Um, but you know also for for young people for very young people like my nephew who's you know, I, th- I told you a bit about him. He's a year and a half now. Um, that was his first experience of going to a concert. And, uh, and he was able to crawl around the trombone section. I saw him, like, basically being plonked down in front of various instruments and just being transfixed with them. And those kinds of experiences just don't exist for, for really young babies and toddlers where it's relaxed enough for them to do that. But also, like, you end up slap bang, In the middle of the orchestra with you know at the end of the day what you what you're paying for which is a vibration to come through the air out of the end of a of an instrument and hit your eardrums and like yeah where do you get where else do you get that but at live music
0: and what's it like to have people um you know wandering up to you as a as a performer and around you have you enjoyed those encounters
1: Mostly, mostly enjoyed it. <laughs> it's definitely been. Uh, you, I'm, I'm wondering whether you clocked her. Whether you're saying that with a smile because you clocked at the one that you saw. Just this. Generally, it was fine. There was just one, one uh, really, really annoying man, <laughs> like <laughs> with a phone, and trying to like thought he was like he thought he was Steven Spielberg and just running around us like doing zooming in
0: but you know like
1: i don't know why he was doing that like you know maybe he thought he didn't seem to think it was funny he he, he was really afterwards he really wanted to show me it and i was just i just kind of smiled and nodded and yeah you know, great great work <laughs> but you know um, but generally generally people are really respectful and it's and it's generally a, a much more enjoyable experience than others than than other performing situations because you get that immediate feedback and it also just it makes you play in like a different way you're you're stood on kind of a podium and you're so visible and um you know it's great if you're a bit of an attention seeker not that i'd know but like <laughs> and then like and um, people are coming up to you and you just the, the as a trombone section you're lifting up together and feeling like part of this unit You know, I was talking about maybe a lack of ensemble playing, but, you know, within your section, you do feel a strong uh, sense of ensemble. And um, those things that you wonder if the audience pick up on, like before before a note where the whole section comes in on a chord, there's this kind of radar that you have switched on so that you will breathe together in time. And you wonder if they feel that with you, if before you play whether they they notice that too because I feel if, if I'm standing next to a trombone section and they take a breath to play I'm going to probably breathe with them but is that because I've learned how to do that or is it because I'm there in uh, in unity with them
0: hmm. how do you compare the the experiences of being part of power orchestra and uh, multi-story do you think that there's a kind of like shared musical dna shared philosophy between the two organizations
1: yeah, like you know what? I I've I've felt this a lot with um with them both. I just feel like they're they're really on the same page. Um they don't have a shared mission. Their their goals are very, very, very different. And power orchestra don't do much um kind of stuff in the way of like workshopping with young people. That's the thing that multi-story do that's different, but power orchestra have much more kind of um set goal in being an inclusive organization i think both, I, both of them both of them have the same uh i don't know what it is they just feel they feel similar but they're not they're very different <laughs> organizations but i i've i i always mention multi-story to various people in power orchestra saying somehow you've just got to be involved with each other but i don't really know how and like and they're like oh yeah we know that orchestra they 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 i think they they communicate but they they both have this air of uh doing something different that feels like it's heading in the right direction um but you know they just have very different goals phil orchestra they they commission works new works from composers um so as far as i i know other than we did we did a project with phil orchestra called smoosh Mm -hmm. which was again it was kind of written parts but there was a lot more kind of workshopping the performance um so that it came together in a more um movement-based performance-based way but the music wasn't written collaboratively or arranged collaboratively and it was arrangements of tunes so yeah the, the 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 composition style of the the two ensembles is very very different but the overall feeling of being an inclusive and accessible um, uh, organisation and and inclusive and accessible in the way it performs and brings people together for music making is the same.
0: Can I ask about theatre? I'm a theatre person and I'm thinking about orchestras in relation to theatre and staging. And I'm wondering if the idea of theatre, do you think that is important in multi-story and in power orchestra? Do you talk about how concerts are staged?
1: Mm. Um, so with, uh, uh, yes, we do with both of them, absolutely. But I think that they probably will more in the next few years. Um with the with the smoosh project with um Para Orchestra, that was all about the way it was staged. I mean, I say staged like that mm. because it's not actually it, it was designed to be street theater. Um it was, you know, I guess in a way, it's physical theater with instruments. That in itself made it a more holistic piece of music. Um and with multi-story, yeah. There's always bits of choreography and also always considerations of how pe- how you're going to present yourself on the stage, where the multi-story orchestra members, so the older like professional freelance musicians, are going to be standing, whether the choir in front of us or behind us, and yeah, that I think it's um, it's always considered for sure, but um, it's almost like at, at this point in my. Uh, in, in my personal musical journey, I feel like um, anything I really want to be involved with has to have um, the performance side of it be a consideration. Um, I'm a bit bored now of uh, of sitting in front of music stands. And uh, even though, having said that, I will still always do it because that that's how you get your bread and butter is like, things that don't have time or money for rehearsals and you just need to be able to come in read the part and do the, make the noise the right way <laughs> you know um, it's an important skill to have and you know I do get satisfaction from doing that from being involved in music in that way however like projects that I'm involved in creating I think um, performance aspects of it it's, it just needs to be there like yeah any project of my own also i know i I explained this um perhaps contraption project to you which you know that started off initially as a prog rock band with no horns and over about 15 years the project has moved towards being a, a theater company producing what uh what is you know being called gig theater at the moment i don't know if that term is um Good or not, and I also don't know if um perhaps contraption is theater. I think what it is is um performance based music designed for blackout theater venues but um <laughs> but that doesn't have as
0: nice a ring to it as gig theater yeah, no one seems to know what gig theater means no. um it's a very uh, fuzzy sort of uh, um umbrella term. Um, but like do you see it in the same universe as um you know some of the power orchestra projects and the multi-story orchestra projects? I mean, in terms of like thinking about how to present music in a kind of theatrical sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like um I, I think what they're doing is is definitely heading towards being gig theater. I don't think I don't think either. Well, I mean, the ends project, which um, which multi story did definitely is, I think gig gig theatre, <laughs> but power orchestra haven't done something. Ah, actually, having said that, they I think there's a project that's coming out at the moment that I don't know if I'm allowed to even mention yet because I know it's in R and D.
0: Right, um, something something uh, circus related, I hear. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, um, but uh, yeah, I think that, that's exactly the one. So I think they are going to be doing more of that kind of thing. When you look at um, the concept of opera, which is gig theatre, really, isn't it? Um,
0: fancy, fancy gig theatre. Yeah,
1: fancy gig theatre, inaccessible gig theatre. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, no, that's unfair. But you know, you know what I mean. The, I think um, there's this. There is this real, like one. I think at, 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 uh, at a really amazing artist's um, pinnacle. They just want to draw everything together and make this incredible thing that brings on aspects of like drama and choreography and physical theatre and music together to make the biggest impact they can on, uh, on, on anyone who's there experiencing that music with them.
0: interested in training in how classical musicians are are trained and and whether or not you think musicians are trained orchestral musicians classical musicians are trained in such a way that they are well equipped to do the kinds of interdisciplinary performance oriented projects like theatrically oriented projects that you are involved in Um, or is there something in the training that might not inhibited but that that might make them less inclined to um you know really be able to to be fully flexible and indeed like desirous of working in this way
1: okay so i can speak from my experience and i don't know if things are much different now i think they probably are a little bit different they were trying to change things while i was studying But I I went to Guildhall, which, you know, is a very renowned acting school as well as music college. And um, there was pretty much no crossover with those departments, other than the things that they did, where they would need musicians for theatre shows or the bits of musical theatre. You would have very, very, very little contact with the actors. Um, And then they tried to do this um, scheme that would put together people um and just basically lumber a bunch of actors and musicians yeah it would have been 2012 i think that that could have been amazing and all it needed was a facilitator someone who got put with each of the groups to to hold that space instead what you did is you got like a bunch of um a bunch of people with their own opinions and what they wanted to do trying to like elbow their way into control um and it ended up being just a stressful experience with not i can't even i literally have no memory of what we came up with that's um that says something doesn't it i i i think i'd struggle to remember what we did (laughs) so while i was at guildhall my my focus and what i was told to do was practice 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 get really good at my orchestral excerpts because I was at the end of the day trained to be an orchestral bass trombone player. um, Even though the elephant in the room was that there are only what, 10, 11 bass trombone jobs in the country um, and they're all taken. And anyone who's got those jobs isn't going to leave them anytime soon. Um, And I think I did one professional audition for for a bass trombone job. um, And it was a great experience actually. And really really and for an orchestra that I would have liked to to perform with as well um but didn't get the job in fact my teacher got the job (laughs) that wasn't why I, I started doing things differently I was lucky enough to have grown up in London and to have stayed in London and to have already forged lots of creative work relationships with different people um but it's not like that for everyone I think i was lucky because i learned on the job for most of these things um and i hit a point where i realized that um the the workshopy collaborative side of this world actually is as i say I, I discovered it was a skill that you can get better at and i was lucky enough to get some fantastic mentoring over the last few years and now i feel like i'm i'm formally training to get better at that and um that was something that was never even it, no one shone a light on it when i was at guilt in fact guilt used to ha- used to have a leadership course actually which um which was in existence while i was there and i had no idea what it was and uh and it's actually it's it's been axed since i've left anyway hmm. um, so that's a shame and they never got involved with any of the other projects The the and as far as I'm aware, Guildhall are the most kind of, uh, you know, open to collaboration than the other colleges. I mean, maybe Trinity is a bit more like that, too.
0: It seems to me that there's like there's scope. There could be scope to like develop a, a curriculum that would have musicians and um actors learning alongside one another right a- around some key performance skills and processes like improvisation and devising and and movement and that would be mutually i think helpful
1: yeah actually i've just another name has popped in my head dinah Stabb, who was do you know her
0: no what a great name
1: <laughs> yeah yeah she was a teacher in the acting course at Guildhall, who what, who gave some classes to the classical musicians in uh in uh you know how you hold yourself on stage. But what I remember from that, bearing in mind it was it was very useful and good, and um, but it was sessions in you know, how you walk onto the stage, uh, you know, how you introduce yourself and like stage you know, presence. Stage presence, that kind of thing. And you know, we also did things like Alexander's technique and mm. that, that that sort of thing. Actually, that's another thing I could go off on another tangent about actor musicians. I used to live with an incredible musician who trained as an actor after, he didn't study music, he actually studied Russian. Um, and he was an incredible accordion player and he, um, incredible pianist and trumpet player as well. And he then went on to study acting afterwards. And I would say, oh, so you're, you're an actor musician loads of the work he did he would be playing music in the show and he'd be also often writing scores for shows and this kind of thing he's like no i'm not that's a very different art form being an actor musician and i never i could not get my head around it i just i just didn't understand why he wouldn't call himself an actor i mean i think he does now but um apparently that in itself is its own art form but i i did a, a show which had some actor musicians in it. Um, I won't say what, but um they definitely weren't musicians. And uh it was a real shame because I felt like they would have been better off getting some musicians to do that job instead of actors who could kind of play.
0: They were just masquerading.
1: Especially as it I was in the pit band and there were some on stage musicians and it mm. was a world of music that I would I that I'm I really love. And I just felt a little bit sad being in the pit, playing the show tunes.
0: Hmm. (sighs) Yeah, things don't always (laughs) uh, work out. Um, Listen, Yusuf, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. It's been really, really um, helpful and really um, illuminating. Um, So I I so appreciate uh, the time and the effort.
1: No problem. It was lovely to chat with you. Me too, I hope to see you soon,
0: okay? Yeah, okay. Bye, Yusuf. This podcast is part of a research project funded by the British Academy, the UK's National Academy for the Humanities and Social Sciences.